Today's episode is sponsored by Adam and Eve. You know, I read so many stories about cheating partners and unhappy marriages. Maybe people wouldn't be in such unhappy relationships if they spent more time nurturing their love life. That's why you should check out today's sponsor, Adam and Eve. They've got toys for men, toys for women, and toys for... How should I put this? Well, it's not exactly r slash am I the butthole. More like r slash I'm in the butthole. And yeah, I realize that ordering adult toys can be a little scary because you may be concerned about privacy. Don't worry, Adam and Eve offers discreet and free shipping for your package. Trust me, these people are experts in your package. You can get 50% off on just about any item, along with free shipping and rush processing. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy or anything you desire. Then enter code R slash at checkout. That's R slash R S L A S H at adamandeve.com. This is an exclusive offer specific to this podcast, so be sure to use code R slash to get your discount, plus 100% free shipping, and get it fast with rush processing. Use code R slash. Hey, listener, it's Zach Harper, Amin Al Hassan, and Anthony Mays of Cinephobe. You may be asking yourself, what is Cinephobe? Amin, would you like to fill in the people? Cinephobe is the podcast where Zach and I watch movies that are poorly rated on Rotten Tomatoes and try to ascertain. Oh, we're trying to well. ascertain? Yes. Okay. Ascertain. Whether or not they're accurately poorly rated, or maybe they didn't get a fair shake. Cinephobe, produced by this guy, Anthony Mays. Hey, that's me. I produced this show. I also watched the movies, even though that wasn't included in the description, and I also ascertained. This month is... Wow! Oh, oh, Maze, why'd you say that? Supercharge it. (laughs) So that this promo can remain evergreen. I feel like explaining a little bit more. In 60 seconds? I don't know. Maybe I don't bring attention to it. Assuring people like, look, if you listen, you're going to get it. Just give it give it time. That's a good promo. Just listen to it. Give it time. You'll figure it out. Is this the promo right now? Isn't it? Okay, I think we got it. Cinefo. Wherever you get podcasts. (laughs) Welcome to r slash malicious compliance, where OP gets their toxic neighbor evicted. Our next Reddit post is from Hergaperk. This grudge has been simmering for almost a year now and has only just come to fruition. It began with my next-door neighbor leaving me a passive-aggressive note for having trash outside my door while I was cleaning my apartment. There's two important points here. One, I was deep cleaning because the landlord sent a note saying the adjoining apartment, my neighbors, had cockroaches. I needed to clean out my apartment so the exterminator could see if my apartment was infested as well. Two, the trash was by my door for 30 minutes at most. I was just trying to save a trip to the dumpster and doing a final sweep of the apartment before hitting down. Now, prior to this incident, this neighbor had already pissed me off by constantly blaring their loud music to the point where my apartment walls vibrated. Fortunately for them, I prefer to avoid confrontation, so I never called them out on it. After the passive-aggressive note calling me a pig, though, all bets were off. She wrote that I should read my lease since I left my nasty trash everywhere. Okay, B-word, it's on. I read my lease like I was snorting coke off it. Every time they played their loud music, I filed a noise complaint. When I got a whiff of pot coming from their apartment, I filed another complaint. The lease says that tenants must comply with the state's drug laws or risk eviction, so hey, another win for me. Finally, they brought a dog into the apartment, despite a strict no-pet policy except for service animals. This was obviously not a service dog, since it howled all day and night and showed no sign of training. 
I'm pretty sure that I wasn't the only one who complained, since my landlord said the noisy dog problem was being taken care of through litigation, and my next-door neighbor's lease would not be renewed. I guess she should have read her lease. Our next Reddit post is from Anonymous. I was working remotely for a staffing agency organizing and managing events. When I was initially hired on, it was due to the fact that three employees were quitting. They all seemed to be leaving amicably to pursue other ventures, so I didn't think anything of it. They had hired myself and one other person to replace them, and everything was going fine. Over time, I started to notice little things here and there, like issues due to miscommunication between the owners, which was a married couple, and a heavy workload. A few months in, I was assaulted and had been injured pretty badly. It was really difficult, obviously, but I worked remotely, so I was still able to work. I told my bosses I had an emergency and was injured, and I had to take some time off. Almost immediately, one of the owners called me and left an angry-sounding voicemail. I called him back, and I ended up having to tell him that I'd been assaulted and I had to go to the hospital. He seemed sympathetic, but near the end of the conversation, he noted that I was supposed to be managing an event that weekend, Friday through Sunday, and that they had no one else to manage it. He never did event management, but his wife did. However, he always had at least five events we were organizing and managing at a time. I was afraid that I would get fired, so I ended up having to work that weekend. It wasn't so bad, but I was in an incredible amount of pain. And due to my injuries, the doctor said they couldn't prescribe me any strong pain medication due to complications that may arise. I worked that weekend and pushed through. Shortly after that, they fired another employee and gave me her workload. Then, they chose to take on a very long-running event, over two months, taking place in two different time zones. They initially decided that the event would be split between myself and one other employee, who was pregnant, by the way, due to the size of the program. So, while I was dealing with the assault and healing, which took over one month, I was also doing the majority of the workload of this event. There were days that I would easily work over 10 hours. Eventually, the employee who was helping me went on maternity leave, so the whole program landed on my shoulders. One day, I got reprimanded for working overtime. I explained that the workload was heavy, and since I was managing events in two time zones, I was having to wake up super early in the morning, like 4am, work during the lunch, take a long lunch, work some more, then wrap up the other event which ended at like 10.30pm to 11pm. They basically told me that I had to just manage my time better. Well, I wasn't doing well physically or mentally, so my cognitive abilities weren't the best. I was making small, easily fixable mistakes here and there, but nothing that was damaging or severely detrimental to the business. There were days that I would just sit there crying at my desk. It was awful. Another employee had also been reprimanded for working overtime, and she was as swamped as I was. Eventually, one of my bosses emailed me and said that I was still working too much overtime, and that he wanted me to work only 5 hours on days that I wasn't managing the big event. Honestly, I was relieved. I was looking forward to having more time for myself so I could heal. I made sure to email him back confirmation that I heard him loud and clear. Well, he didn't tell his wife, the other owner, about my new hours, and she had a tendency to ramble about stuff during meetings, making them last way longer than they needed to be. One day, we had a meeting in the morning that lasted three hours, and it was the first day I was to only work five hours. 
I didn't even need to be in that meeting, but they forced me to stay and would get irritated if they knew myself or other employees were quietly working while listening to the meeting. After that meeting, the wife sent me a message asking about progress on some of the stuff that I was working on. She then added more work for me to do. This back and forth with her took up like 20 minutes of my time. I told her that I knew that I wouldn't have enough time to finish those things today because I already only had one and a half hours to finish my other work. She had no idea what I was talking about, so I told her that her husband had reduced my hours on non-management days, and I forwarded her our email exchange confirming that I was only working 5 hours a day. She got an attitude with me and said, Well, these are high priority things, and we need you to work on them. You can go ahead and work longer today. I told her that I couldn't, because I had confirmed a week prior, and I made arrangements, and I wasn't able to work. So once I hit my 5 hours, I clocked out, put my phone on do not disturb, and ignored all messages she was sending me. She ended up having to work on all the tasks she had given me late into the night. I continued to follow the new schedule, and they just dumped my workload onto other employees or had to do it themselves. I eventually got fired because they basically said that was the last straw. But I was so relieved and also got unemployment benefits, even though they tried to fight it. Oh man, OP. Okay, so yeah, this is a good malicious compliance story, but there's like one paragraph up here where you kind of triggered me a little bit. You said, I was afraid I would get fired, so I ended up having to work that weekend. It wasn't so bad, but I was in an incredible amount of pain. OP, what about that situation isn't too bad? You were so afraid for your livelihood because of your toxic bosses that you had to work after being assaulted in extreme physical pain. And you're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. OP, if that's not a bad working environment, then what is? I just had to bring that up because I feel like terrible working environments are kind of getting normalized in modern society. And that is, that is, that is not okay, man. Basically, your bosses were trying to cut costs by firing employees and then giving extra work to one employee, and the extra employees they gave them to were either injured or pregnant. So I'm just pointing this out to you, OP, because you have got to stick up for yourself better than this. And to anyone else out there who's listening who has to work under these conditions, this is not normal. Well, actually, it kind of is normal nowadays, which is the problem. It shouldn't be normal, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Our next Reddit post is from Leals. I used to work at a very nice private hospital where the place looked like a hotel, the food was great, and the service unrivaled. We were voted the best private hospital in the country quite a few times, and all around, people were happy and the care was great. The nurses were mostly old school, stern, but very passionate about patient care, with no time for anything that stops them from doing their job. My job was to focus on marketing and complaints. And to be honest, I didn't have a lot of work to do on the complaint side, but every now and then something would come up. If there was an incident, the registered nurses would usually come and warn me to expect something and give me their side of the story. One morning, as I got to work, a registered nurse was waiting at my door to update me on an incident the previous night. There was an 18-year-old patient who had a small operation, but who was prone to dizziness and fainting. Now, slip and falls are a big deal in hospitals, and these incidents get monitored very closely. Since this patient was a slip and fall risk, they moved her to a private room right in front of the nurse's station so that she could be monitored throughout the day and night. One night, according to this older nurse's description, this tattoo-clad 20-something boyfriend comes to visit, and he forgets that this is, in fact, a hospital and not a hotel. 
This old school nurse realized that something was amiss when the room's doors were closed, and after she pushed the door open, the curtains around the bed were drawn too. Considering that privacy takes second priority to a patient's healing and safety in a hospital, the old school nurse was having none of this. She pulls the curtains open, pulls the boyfriend out of the hospital bed, and gave them both a talking to. The tattooed boyfriend left soon afterwards, apparently furious that his evening was ruined. Sure enough, two hours after the nurse visited my office, I got an email from the patient's father detailing how his daughter's privacy was invaded the previous night, how she had a private conversation with her boyfriend, and how they were unfairly treated by a nurse. I was surprised that an older gentleman would write an email to a hospital with so many spelling errors and complete lack of punctuation. But the email address was something like tattooguy at gmail.com, so it was a total giveaway as to who the real author was. Now, technically, I was just supposed to reply to that email, detailing our experience and our side of the story. However, sharing private patient information on an email to an unconfirmed email address is bound to get me in serious trouble. So, I did what any sane and, perhaps, slightly malicious person would do. I called up Document Control and asked them to pull the email address on file for me. The email address on file happened to belong to the patient's mother. I forwarded the email to the mother, mentioning that I received the following email from her daughter's father, but since she's the contact person on file and we need to stick with the people that we have permission to contact, maybe she can share our response with the father. I then detailed what the nurse told me. About the patient being a slip and fall risk who requires constant monitoring, about the boyfriend visiting, about the door and curtain being closed, and the nurse catching them in the hospital bed together. I apologize on behalf of the nurse for invading their privacy, but I explained that open doors are protocol to ensure a patient's safety, and that our main priority is getting a patient safe, healthy, and back to home as soon as possible. I ended the email with my contact details and invited her to contact me if she had any further questions. Well, if the parents didn't know about the incident before, they knew now. I was told the daughter was well-behaved for the remainder of the time there, and the boyfriend didn't stop by once during the rest of the patient's stay. So, lesson learned. Don't include your parents' details on your hospital file as your main contact if you don't want them to be contacted. Don't try to catfish a hospital employee and respect a hospital for what it is. A place of healing and not a hotel. Down in the comments, we have this story from Born Sandwich. When I was doing emergency room clinicals as a paramedic student, the nurse had me describe the different EKG rhythms that I was seeing on the nurse station monitor. One EKG was consistently normal. Then, all of a sudden, the heart rate goes from about 50 to 90 and stays there. The nurse exclaims, Not again, as I watch her march to the patient's room and drag out the patient's boyfriend. Hey, listener, it's Zach Harper, Amin Hassan, and Anthony Mays of Cinephobe. You may be asking yourself, what is Cinephobe? Amin, would you like to fill in the people? Cinephobe is the podcast where Zach and I watch movies that are poorly rated on Rotten Tomatoes and try to ascertain... I'll try to well. ascertain? Yes. Okay. Ascertain. Whether or not they're accurately poorly rated, or maybe they didn't get a fair shake. Cinephobe, produced by this guy, Anthony Mays. Hey, that's me. I produced this show. I also watched the movies, even though that wasn't included in the description, and I also ascertained. <laughs> This month is... Wow! Oh, Maze, why do you say that? Supercharge it. (laughs) So that this promo can remain evergreen. I feel like explaining a little bit more. 
in 60 seconds? I don't know. Maybe I don't bring attention to it. Assuring people like, look, if you listen, you're going to get it. Just give it, give it time. That's a good promo. Just listen to it. Give it time. You'll figure it out. Is this the promo right now? Isn't it? Okay, I think we got it. Cinefo. Cinefo. Wherever you get podcasts. <laughs> Our next Reddit post is from Word Wizard. We've lived in this neighborhood for 15 years now, and the HOA board, like many, is mostly made up of grouchy old people who have way too much time on their hands. Sometimes it's fine for a while, and then someone new takes over and has some vendetta to pursue. I guess we were due for the pendulum to swing. Our front yard has a few big trees and is thus entirely in the shade. We've tried to plant grass seed a few times, but there's just not enough sun for the grass to thrive. So it's mostly low ground cover. I have no idea what kind, but it's green and we keep it mowed. For the past 13 years, this has been fine. Then, last year, we got a letter from the HOA that we had weeds. According to the bylaws, we needed to prove that we were using chemical lawn treatments to kill anything that wasn't grass. It's important to note that the rules don't require us to actually hire a weed control company. We just had to provide proof in the form of a receipt that we spent the money. My lovely petty spouse went on Amazon and ordered a $6 spray bottle of the most woo-woo, new-age, homeopathic weed killer she could find. I think the main ingredient was lavender oil. We dutifully spritzed the yard a few times, sent an action shot and a copy of the digital receipt, and thanked them for their concern. The lavender oil, shockingly, did nothing. We didn't actually have to kill the weeds, though. Just try. We've heard nothing from the HOA since, and the front yard still has almost no grass. Our next Reddit post is from Circus Witch. My best friend does park maintenance in an urban park. She finds all sorts of wild stuff, including drugs, drug paraphernalia, and occasionally hypodermic needles. There used to be a city task force that would come collect them, but it was discontinued. My friend would pick them up and dispose of them as safely as possible to reduce risk for park users. Eventually, she decided to ask the building manager, who wasn't her supervisor, but was the person in charge of the facilities for the building that she works out of, to install a sharps container in the bathroom. This is the same bathroom that the public would have access to. He refused on the grounds that it would encourage drug use. Counter-arguments were unsuccessful, even after pointing out that not having a sharps container endangered both her and the custodians who took out the trash. So, instead, she started bringing the needles to him whenever she found one and asking him to dispose of them. It only took about five needles before he installed a sharps container in the bathroom. And, of course, the top comment of this post is, that's how you stick it to him. That was r slash malicious compliance. And if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.